Hi and welcome to Old Guard New Blood, episode 29, and this is SEO Quality Assurance and Testing. Uh, I've got a fantastic panel in here today to talk about um, QA and testing. Let's bring them in. Uh, why don't we? Let's start with you, Jess. Jess Joyce, uh, where are you and where do you come from? Who are you and where do you come from? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jess Joyce. I'm an SEO consultant and I reside currently physically in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, or Toronto, if we really want to be cool. Excellent. Thanks very much for coming along today. Thank you for uh, having and, me. And you're half Hungarian, I understand. I am, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Hungarian. So we're going to bring in a hello, Simon. How are you? Uh, Simon's in the audience. Uh, Hi, thanks for coming along. Uh, well, uh, let's uh, bring in a Hungarian uh, colleague, Miriam. How are you? Who are you? And where do you come from? Good. So um, I'm doing good. Um, I'm a complicated one. I'm half French, half Hungarian, grew up in Hawaii. And up until recently, I was residing in Montréal, Quebec. But I'm currently in Budapest, Hungary. Excellent. Fantastic. I was down in Budapest uh, just just last week as I went up a, uh, a boat on the Danube um, oh, up, to, uh, up to Vienna or Salzburg. And uh, now I have COVID. So uh, anything that's going to go wrong today, I blame it entirely on boats on the Danube. COVID and high cholesterol because of the local cuisine too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I've got tablets for that. So that's not a problem. Chris. Who are you? Where do you come from? Hello, I'm Chris. Um, I'm residing in Essex, which sounds <laughs> a lot less interesting, frankly. <laughs> I'm also an SEO consultant and do lots of other stuff, but that's what you mean, you know, just outside <laughs> yeah. of London. I mean the more. I mean all these things. So, guys, uh, I think you've all underplayed yourself uh, on your on your uh, your uh, QA and your and your, your skill sets, uh, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get into all of that as 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 we go through. Um, the whole event, guys, has been sponsored by Majestic. So I'll say at the top of the uh, top of the show the advert for Majestic because um, uh, because Majestic has just got in beta mode. Uh, a new menu and a whole new layout and stuff. So I know a lot of our customers are, a lot, a lot of our listeners are, are majestic.com users. Um, so if you, and even if you're not, you want to have a look at the new stuff. If you go to majestic.com, if you're not logged in, there's a big button on the new, on the homepage. You go and have a look at the new menu and it's got all the, you can see all Wimbledon stats for, for free at the moment on, on there. If you are logged in uh, and you're having trouble getting to, 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 to the new menu, go to newmenu.majestic.com and uh, then you can use it as a, as a paid user in there or, or um, and, and, uh, and, and go with it. Uh, it's, it's some great stuff. It re- brings a lot of the stuff, functionality that Majestic had um, to the fore, so you'll probably find some new features you didn't know were in Majestic. Uh, and with that, I'm going to bring in my producer, David. David, how are you, and what have I missed out? Very good indeed. Nothing at all. Um, but um, all I want to say is that the majority of people that consume this show do so via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And I just want to say, if that's you, if you're listening away, come and join the hilarity next month. Come and watch us live. Uh, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. Hopefully you can make the next live one. You can be part of the audience. You can be interacting with whoever happens to be on next month's episode. And I'll tell you exactly what the topic for next month's episode will be and who's going to be taking part at the end of the show. So you can join Simon Cox in the audience uh, in the live show. It's brilliant. 
Good. Okay, guys. Uh, and if there's anyone else live in the uh, on the live stream now, and you want to ask questions of, of the group, then absolutely feel free to do so. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, so, Simon and Simon is, is chipping in here in the in, in the text. Uh, so uh, right, let's get into the the heart of the matter. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, um, trying to find out whether your SEO work or the, the team that you use for your SEO, uh, whether their work is of high quality. And I think it's a really tough, really tough one to crack. I I, I remember when I was agency side and I was doing SEO consulting, um, you know, it was, it was sometimes hard for, you know, even me to work out whether I'd done a good job, leave alone, have anybody else looking on there, but that was a long time ago. Um, so I think uh, I want to, I want to start with, Asking people at the top, you know, if they, if people haven't got forty five minutes to to hang around and and get all the tidbits of information, um, if they can't stay for the whole show, uh, what one tip might you give to people for you know for for being able to assess whether SEO efforts uh, of yourself or somebody else are of a good quality? I'm gonna I'll, I'll let Chris jump in with that one first. I think. Oh, that's interesting. I, I'm, I've got I've got a, I've got two. I'm cheating. One small one and one larger one. The small one, and I don't see this happen enough, is just annotate on like Google Analytics or similar when changes go live, and just kind of keep that view that you can you can understand that relationship between sort of significant deployments and improvement or not of of rankings. Um, that's really kind of key. But then the other one is um, you know use forecasting as an SEO to work out if we did nothing different. Where does the forecast say we should go and test yourself against that? Um, that's a quick thing to say and a hard thing to do properly, but more people need to just uh, yeah, I might be using some of those libraries and, and oh, test themselves. I might come back to that because, you know, the tools to do that are not always straightforward to... Uh, to, to not to, always, to no. So okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Jess, what are you, what have you got as an idea for us? Um, I would say setting expectations uh is the the one that i would suggest um and just like making sure everybody understands the 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 amount or the small or the big or whatever you're doing how big it is and like the variables that can go into it so uh, it's, i know it takes a lot of education internally um mm -hmm. depending on whatever changes you're doing and and if you're just changing a title it might be something small but you know your click through could change and like just ex you know communicating and mm -hmm. over communicating with people because like uh, once you go through qa i feel like it's a pressure point um and a lot of pressure gets put on that feeling so mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah just making sure everybody understands if and when things go wrong that you've okay probably excellent okay so setting expectations and uh and making sure people know where they're trying to go to in the first place uh sounds interesting and again something that's easy to say and probably really hard to put in practice Great. uh so uh miriam what's your uh your your tip for the tip for the group so i have two and um i'm not as rational or as empathic as the two other people on the panel uh, having survived dev centers, the first uh, piece of advice I would give is save everything. You can save crawls because I've seen situations in QA where doing this new thing you want to do, somehow, by some miracle, it breaks everything mm -hmm. else you have done in the past six months. And you will bring this to the attention of the powers that be. And what happens? You get told, oh, no, no, it was always like this. No, have a crawl, save it. And the other one is on your end, have a checklist, please. Like, 
sweet zombie baby Jesus, have a checklist. Because we will always forget things. And it's not the same checklist for each situation. We judge ourselves way too harshly going, this should have been done and this should have been done and this should have been done. Otherwise, it's all going to fail. And then you cry at 2 a.m. in your cubicle in the agency. No, don't do that. Just have a proper checklist that says, hey, here's the baseline of what we're trying to achieve. Like if we have this, we can actually measure if something has changed. We're safe with that baseline. I, actually, you know what? That's a that's a damn good bit of the tip, really. I mean, because you because as soon as you've got a checklist, at least you've got some kind of quality assessment. You know, you can sit there and say, right, have all the things on the checklist been done? But is is that is that easy? I mean, okay, if you're going to if you're going to say, right, well, I want to update the content on this, the, the title of this page, you haven't really got a checklist in there. Or maybe your checklist is it's got to be this many, between this many and this many words, I suppose, and it's got to mention um, the key words on the page. Or you could maybe come up with a small checklist for a title. or, um, But it's not always easy to... Uh, I have one for content tuning. I basically try to make people as independent as they can be doing mm. this and go, hey, you should be you should be checking this in Google Search Console. If you have this, you should be doing this. If you don't have this, here's how to handle it and, you know, move forward. But I think ultimately the checklist is a tool to communicate to other people. Here's the standard we are holding ourselves up to mm -hmm. and here's why it matters. So you can actually take this and feel confident to flag things because SEO is not just one person in their cubicle at 2 a.m. It's actually the entire team that's trying to accomplish something. So would you say then, you know, that a great way to approach QA testing is to have a series of checklists that people know that they've got to be judged by before they get into any project? So one for content, one for technical, one for, you know, the state of your server, whatever it may be. I'm going to say yes and let my other peers answer. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon chris and jess good idea yeah broadly i mean <clears throat> a lot of the testing or the qa for you and for everyone else like you know i use a lot of um other tools and software to sort of run those tests for me whether they're of your own recipes or someone else's you know that there's a list of kind of compliance steps that you always need to maintain that's not necessarily absolutely everything exhaustive but you know if you're not meeting these certain standards you know server response codes robots all of those kind of key ones you know it's going to go drastically wrong so and you they always need to be constantly checked i think the, the worst thing that can happen in that scenario is when you're like no we already know all that that's taken care of right but if everybody that's involved takes that same approach you'll catch a cold because someone won't do the test or something will get deployed and it'll go wrong and it will break and no one will have checked it so you know, you can never have too much due diligence on those key points. Well, I think we've all been in those situations where somebody's like, everything's fine. It works fine. It's great. Awesome. We're just going to push it. <laughs> but like, at least if uh, I like to make a, a list of critical things, um, just and and maybe like lower yeah. ones. Traffic, and then, light, traffic lights. Yeah. yeah, traffic lights. Something something of those matters at least. So at least mm -hmm. like if you're going to do push something, then at least we have time to check these things. So like, cause you're going to have to let stuff go in any level of SEO <laughs> in, a, in a dream world, you would have everything, but you know, time being what it is and, and resources being what they are and developers <laughs> always pushing back on every level, you have to work on what you have. So I Simon, kind of Simon Cox jumps in checklists like a car MOT doesn't stop you crashing though. So, <laughs> I, I have an answer to this. I have okay. an answer to this. Today, before I, we all met uh, to discuss this, um, a, a friend of mine comes on Twitter and is like, yeah, yeah, we have to talk. I have a problem. Google search console, all the data is gone. 
Like it's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I have to run, but first things first, breathe. Second step, let's start with a checklist. And I was like, maybe your old code was just validating one version of the website. And maybe since the relaunch, you decided to go like the other version. So VVV, no VVV. And maybe that's why your search console goes. And I was like, this is step one of the checklist. Like that's the type of thing I would look at. And after that, we can get worried. And And they got back to me and they were like, this was it. And I was like, okay, we don't need to do step two of the checklist. And I know this sounds really funny, but imagine the panic that you have if you enter and you don't have the data and you're supposed to be the person who knows it all, like the expert. And you're like, I expert, there is no data. What do I do? So there's that panic. That's why I like checklist. Yes, Simon, we are still going to crash. I mean, clearly, but we're trying our best and putting a seatbelt on, okay? Because not everything depends on us, but the seatbelt we can do. So, guys, I, I wanted to dive into the different elements of SEO a little bit and what what uh, what, uh, what what we might want to have in said checklist or or, or in 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 QA testing, QA and testing. Um, but before I do that, I want to think a little bit about the stakeholders that we've got in uh, in the SEO you know world because they might consider <clears throat> very different um, things as important. Um, uh, so, you know, a business, you know, the business itself might consider value for money, whatever that is, as the the thing that they're trying to get out of there. They, you know, they know that they could spend more to get an extra, you know, half mile, but, you know, do they want to go there? Whereas the in-house SEO might consider, you know, c- c- you know, conversions attributable to organic traffic and sort of think about the UX, whereas the agency might stop and say, well, once we've got the the organic visitor, that's all that's important to us. Uh, And the in-house developer might just want to give, you know, say, well, as long as I don't have to mess around with anything on the site that's going to take away from my core core tasks, then I'm happy. So people have got different views as to what they want out of SEO. Um, so how deep are these difference, differences and how how can they be molded into a, a a quality assurance or testing protocol that everyone might be able to agree with? Um, it's a hard question. I don't know if anybody wants to, to, to have a crack at it. The thing I usually find is you kind of, certainly from the SEO point of view, I try and learn what are everyone else's KPIs and, and what, what are they trying to achieve? Um, and then and how, broadly- how often do they know? <laughs> Um, that's an interesting one. I think if we really struggle, the the point, the question I usually ask someone is, what will stop? What what metric will stop you getting a bonus or a pay rise? Like, what, where's that? Yeah. And that can sometimes be a bit blunt force, but um, you actually find that a lot of the metrics are overlapping, or you can find a way. And actually, it's just pre- presentation of what that looks like. So, page speeds, you know, that can help performance, that can reduce carbon costs, that can increase conversion rates that can increase rankings and it's kind of like what's the story we're going to package all of this initiative under that makes us all look great when we do it um and obviously i work a lot with product teams and you know product teams have to deliver products that then work and you know get the engagement and buy-in from the other teams and it's almost it's just showing that, that there is some kind of harmonized view that you've all agreed on this kpi set and you have a way to track it um I quite often track or report on metrics that aren't mine, but I know that I can measure it better than other people can. And it, and and actually very often just helping show that and bringing light to it. Because most of the problems around all of this is that people just do not have the measurement in place. Like they don't know what they need to measure or if they're measuring it, they don't know how to interpret that. Um, and if you can nail that bit, 
and then make people see that you're the one that's kind of owning that bit that's really advantageous because they'll want to come in with you um and the other one is then with that is if you've got different stakeholders that have different interests or different metrics if you see something that doesn't look great go and have a quiet conversation with them first talk about it and then present it back to the group like you know if, if everyone's on an equal footing that's fine but the minute you kind of say no there's a curveball your metrics are doing badly and you've got to explain that in front of everyone else then it turns into infighting and a battle yeah pretty i'm quickly. sure it does that's why i'm not Very a, that's not why i'm an seo consultant anymore because <laughs> <laughs> Horrible, horrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, try and try and talk one on one. I suppose at, at, at that point, but also you can't hide those issues when something's going south. It's got to be addressed. You just mm. got to get away from that. Uh, that you don't ambush we, someone with it. Yeah, you, you can't, and you've got to you got to make it very clear that you know we can't, we're not can't take this personally. You know, things go wrong. You know, things happen, oh, and absolutely. it's it's, it's the problem, not <laughs> not the person behind the problem. So yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you, you this this idea of benchmarking then really becomes an important factor, I guess, for QA testing. Um, you started with um, forecasting as, as something important, Chris. Um, we, we you, Jess, you said set expectations. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Miriam, you said checklists. So, you know, but so having these benchmarks is, is really important. Um, but what, what should go into a benchmark? You know, should it be, you know, when I was doing, SEO as a consultant, what twenty years ago, it was it was literally taking some keywords and where they rank now, and then you know hopefully you know in six months time they're going to be all rank better. Um, that doesn't seem to be very uh, so. It doesn't seem to be as effective as it was before because we're not really always thinking in terms of keywords, you know. But what sort of things do you do you set down as a benchmark to test against? Uh, and I can't see anybody because. Uh, I'm I'm the only one on my screen at the moment. I want to pick on I pick on Miriam because her microphone's off. On my end, when it comes to to benchmarking, well, there's multiple things. So if you are in an agency setting, you have to make sure that whatever you are setting up will be able to be reused for that client, but also like internally makes sense. There's nothing worse than you going on vacation and somebody tries to get into your stuff and they can't and they call you. Avoid that. That that's the first part for me. The second part is if you are going to set up something. So um, let's say an auditing process. I I don't think I'm the only one who has had to deal with the situation of being called in to actually check some other agency's work or some other consultant's work. Yes, I specialize in this, sadly. <laughs> so it's, it's the situation of explaining, hey, we all have different ways of doing the same thing. Huh? We, we all talk about search intent and how it's different and it's changing. Yeah, we're human. We do the same thing in our jobs. So for me, when it comes to benchmarking, it's, it's a question of developing what works and adapting to your environment. So for example, if you're in a dev center, I try to make sure that we all agree on certain definitions. Like how are we testing this period and what is considered um, a passing grade? So for example, um, very basic one for me, but I complain about technical QA a lot. When it comes to JavaScript, if, for example, Google shows up on your page and rendering-wise, it can't tell this is a transactional page because there's no price, there's no reviews, there's no product name showing, you have to wait a little bit. Hey, that that that's a baseline for me. That's something I'm going to check. Like That's something we all agree on. We have to discuss that as a team, 
this doesn't fly. Because another issue that I want to bring on the technical end, developers are kind of like wizards, and which is if they want, but they can like fix stuff and go, there, I fixed it. And you go in the back and it's like Homer Simpson all pulled back. For SEO, you can't do that. It shows the bot will find this. So they're not... There's some people that you work with that are not used to your level, your benchmark of this is what should go out. They're not used to that. So that will create clashes. And that's why I think what Chris said is go talk to the person first and foremost. Like you can't have your benchmark. doesn't matter if the person is not onboarded. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And I suspect, well, I suspect the other two will agree as well. But doesn't that cause a little bit of a... Uh, problem internally because there is this balance at a business level between cost, OCD, and risk. You know, so SEOs, well, I'm not, but other SEOs are OCD and they want to get it exactly right and they're never, never perfectly happy and they have to go to a point at which they say, oh, right, I live with that. Um, you know, but you uh, will get fired if you make your company spend 50K on improving speed and there's nothing left and you have nothing to show for it. But this is this is it. I mean, at some point you have to you have to say, right, there is whether it's a money constraint or a time constraint, there is a point at which you have to ship the product and uh, and it shouldn't really be the SEO that holds it up that often. It, 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 unless, unless, and this is what happens, uh, I know, is that the developers say, right, we're ready to go, we're going live now and you can fix it afterwards and the SEOs have to come in after the effect. And at that point, I think uh, the SEOs have every right to say, give me my money back or rather, you know, just pay because you've, you've screwed it up out of the box. But, uh, but, but um, it's still, still, there is this problem here. This is this dilemma um, with QA. I mean, I remember uh, like you, Miriam, a long time ago, I was asked to do an audit on somebody else's audit. So, so for a major national newspaper and I was, um, uh, and I was thinking, well, okay, it's, it's great if you've got that budget to spend on doing it for me again, and I'll do it all again. And what they'd done what the original guys had done it was not was not bad at all. I mean, I found a few points, but now I'm starting to pick holes in somebody else's, which I suppose you have to do all the time, Miriam. If that's what you do, pick holes in somebody else's work. Uh, but that that that's not really as good as being able to tell them what they did right. I would guess. And you're always going to find something. Like if you're doing that, you're going to find something wrong. Like I feel like you're just like. The audits are kind of like from that perspective of that consultant or that agency or whatever it is, right? So you can always find something if you're looking for it. Absolutely. And another thing, I think it's nothing to have a purpose, purpose yeah. as well. So if you do one thing right, it's probably going to have an impact performance-wise or or content-wise on, on, on another factor. You know, if you rank better for this word, you're going to rank worse for that word. So, Miriam, you're on to jump in. Yes. So uh, there's a few things that are jumbled, jumbled up in my head. Let's get them out one at a time. Um, I had a situation where I was actually brought in to do an audit and the person took my audit. It was a paper audit because I don't know why we had to print them. And it shows I'm old, took it, thanked me for it, opened a drawer and dropped it with the rest of the audits. I'm not joking. Like this was a reality. So for me, when we're talking about audits, if I'm onboarded to redo an audit, I ask them why. And I try to provide actionable stuff that they can do, which goes back to QA. Because when it comes to QA, if you're going to QA something and say, this does not pass, explain why. Try to explain. If we don't do this, we may end up with this. And document it. So at least 
if you are headed for a crash, mentioned to Simon, well, you can go back and have a postmortem to say, hey, as a team, how can we avoid this horror show again? I can't do it on my own. What do you propose? And for me, QA is also about automation. What can you automate as part of the QA team or the dev team's flow? Like, what do they normally check? And can you kind of piggyback on this? Can you say, hey, add this other check for me. You know what it means. And Ooh, we consider like this past. I like that. So, I mean, yeah, because the, the coders will have a, a yeah, a, often a pretty rigorous QA to check before they ship the code, but um, but they won't include the SEO's stuff in there. Um, so that's a, that's a that's a good tip, I think. Yeah, and Build- it, it's one of the wonderful things because you you can genuinely integrate with everyone. So there's no whose responsibility is this? Because let's be honest, all four of us. We all get Google Search Console emails. Even if you don't work in that field actively, Nixon, I know you get them. We all get them. But that's the thing. Your client gets them. Your design team gets them too. Like everybody's added on Google Search Console lately and nobody does anything with it. Nobody. So if it's no one's responsibility, it sucks. If you have those emails coming in, they end up in Slack in that specific channel, you can assign responsibility, like get into the flow. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Monty says hi, and uh, Chris is waving his hand in the chat as well. So, uh, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming in, Monty. Uh, and uh, and and Simon says get paid up front, which I think is fair. But uh, but um, uh, at the same time, I think when we're really looking at the uh, you know quality uh, quality before we ship, I think uh, we 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 need to sort of maybe dive into some of the areas of SEO mm. because it's not easy to do. I mean, let's take content for example. How do you do QA on content? Um, what things would you put into your checklist, Miriam, or what would you put into I mean, uh, for me, I'd probably just go through my Yoast plugin and sit there and make sure it's got, or, or, <laughs> or use my other business to, to check my content and make sure I've got, I've got some stuff in there. But I, you know, what do you, what do you, how does, how does an average person say that content's good or that content's bad? It's going to be very different for every business, surely. I, I have a very haute couture, vintage, curated process that most people are not going to like. So I'm going to let my colleagues answer first and then I'll bring out the old school type of thing. <laughs> oh, no, see, that's made it sound more interesting than anything I'm yeah, going to possibly gosh. Um, So, I mean, from, so for, for me, a content QA process, there's a couple of things. I think, firstly, if the content's live, um, it's let's look at the data. So... Who's using it? Who's visiting it? Are they completing their goals? Is it ranking? If that's the point of the content, I think that's the that's the kind of the boring take. I think more and more my content QAs. What is the intent of what is being targeted? So obviously, I'm taking a very kind of straight on SEO approach for this. But is this content just fit for what it needs to do? Like, is it exceeding expectations or even meeting the searcher's expectations? Not just ranking for it because it makes sense. Um, and actually, in my experience, that's where the vast majority of content fails because. It's a, it's a good keyword on an okay page yes. with some less good content to actually do it for. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's it's legible and the grammar's fine and it's been written by a human that vaguely knows what they're talking about, but it's just deployed wrong and it's not going to last a year's worth of algorithm reshuffles and EAT or whatever you want to chuck at it, basically. Um, and that's uh, And I like that one because it's simple in its purity as well, because when you go to the stakeholders and say what's wrong with this content, you don't go the keyword density is too low and your word count's too low and there aren't enough internal links. You just say this is not fit for the people who will use it and Google will rank you down for that. And maybe oversimplistic, but that's the easiest to communicate. 
I'm literally doing that process right now with a client. And it's, it's not even essentially a QA. It's like a refresh. So we're just using like an Airtable and then going through <laughs> and understanding what the content is doing, how it's performing and which content should be merged or if the user is actually reaching the intent or if they're signing up for trials, how close they are to the buying cycle and all of those things that go along with it. So it's less of a QA, but it is a QA at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, guess, I guess this is something that is close to my sort of active area at the moment. And, and, and I think for me, you know, if I'm looking at a piece of content, then I can go and talk to, if I had clients, I'd be able to talk to the clients and say, the problem with this content is that if you want to rank for this concept, you're not talking about this idea or this idea or this idea, and your competitors are four, five, and six times over here, here, and here. And so you can see a gap analysis of the concepts and ideas, um, which to me is the approach that that I'd go on content. Um, and then on top of that, I'd still put, you know, whether you use Rank Math, Yoast, or any other whatever thing i'd still use all of those as well because uh, i think that's useful and make sure that they've got checklists like cite an authoritative source or whatever the other bits and pieces or use your keyword in the title and some some uh, some of the more boring bits but i think that that can improve things but what, what if we move on to um uh technical oh sorry story. to miriam miriam's dying to speak go on all I right do sorry. have one thing that you haven't spoken about so in my oath Couture approach. Well, of course. when we're queuing, <laughs> I've got the COVID, contents. Miriam. I'm going COVID. <laughs> COVID brain. Okay, so Simon was saying, "Hey, can an SEO QA content? Um, should this not be the subject matter? Like the the SME who's going to do this? Like the person writing it? Well, not always. Um, the way I QA content is very old school. I will tell people, "Oh, your content is not working. You optimize this product page." And it's not showing up, like you're just not getting visibility, you're not getting traction, not getting clicks, nothing. Let's go figure out why. And very often you will find in the in the search result pages, hey, Google's positioning aggregators and home pages, that product page, it's not gonna fly. So you're literally cannibalizing yourself. So please just optimize the home page. Or you're going to have situations where two people or more than two people don't talk. And I had a client like this recently where they had um, 150 posts about Instagram styles for whatever clothing at any time. Like their winter content was off the roof. I'm like, can we, can we not do this? Can we please just focus on writing one thing, not pushing out content that nobody cares about? That's, you pushed out fashion content for winter as soon as winter started in the middle at the end and when there was like that last blizzard can we talk about some other stuff this is also seo qa for me and we don't need a subject matter expert on winter fashion to say hey too much instagram stuff please stop so these things matter to me but i also think that an, an seo or seo with tools has the ability to jump in and see what um, they might be very, very minor concepts that have been missed out in the body text um, that you can then refer back to the subject expert. Um, and, and so the subject expert can say, yeah, all right, I didn't realize that uh, that um, our competitors have brought in that particular angle to this particular conversation. I'll add that in. It's only a sentence, but it makes a huge difference to whether this is the more authoritative piece than, than this, than the, than the other one So, as well. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, my, and uh, Monty was uh, Monty was uh, jumping in with some stuff there. I won't I won't bring it up on the podcast, but uh, but she was talking about her her audits. Um, uh, and uh, how do you how do you um, do quali- uh, uh, quality assessment for off-page SEO things like links um, uh, or Google, Google My Business listings or social media profiles or things that are um, part of the uh, uh, part of the SEO process in a in a slightly less obvious format. I mean, is that something that you would actively do QA testing for? Um, you know, backlinks. Let's say backlinks, for example. See, this is a tricky one because what 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 makes a good link isn't, in my opinion, the same that makes an effective link. Um, and there's this kind of differentiation of actually some stuff that works shouldn't do, but it won't forever. Um, and some stuff that is in theory a great link takes too long and doesn't always move you. I mean, I, I the, the best kind of um, process around links is actually just if you're not trying to fly too close to the sun or buy too many links or do anything that, that, that Google says you shouldn't be, and actually you're using the QA to work out, well, what's another agency bringing in or what, what am I getting picked up naturally? I would rather be on that side of the equation, but that's as much because actually building the links isn't, it's so much of my forte but the, the the key test that i run at the moment and this is maybe because i sort of you know i've done link cleanup on far too many sites back in the days is, is actually just can i see that this is a website that google will want to penalize eventually like is this of any value does it drive traffic is there a network footprint i can see what are the linking you know out tendencies and i think that i have some basic flags and again a checklist against that um and then you know once you get this stuff that's what I'd call high risk in the future out of the way. It's just variations of it'll probably do nothing to this is a really good link, do more of that. And that's the kind of dimensions that I try and do. I, but I don't subscribe necessarily to the whole, these links are toxic, delete them now, otherwise you're going to you know, regress it later. I think I'm not really convinced that's that necessary these days. I, I think Jess and I have a nugget when it comes to uh, backlinks being in a bilingual country. Well, very often the main domain, like the the main URL, like yourdomain.com will get all the links. However, depending on where you are in Canada, you may want to figure out very quickly which version, which linguistic version is getting those links. Because if you're getting a lot of like English backlinks and your homepage is in French, that's also something you should be QAing for. Like that's a decision that's really hard to make for us in Canada. Jess, anything you want to add on there? Uh, I know. I agree with both of them, actually, and I've had both situations. Uh, the dimensions that you got to kind of go on, I, I always go on um, the one piece I would add is um, traffic and um, and how many people are, because I work with a lot of SaaS companies, they always like trials, <laughs> you know, how many people have come from there. So uh, I, I tie everything as close to uh, money as I possibly can. Uh, which is always the hardest thing to do. And really, that's honestly my biggest takeaway from all of this QA is I tie as much as I possibly can to money. <laughs> yeah. One of the challenges there is 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 that uh, if you're going to ch- try tie, tie a link back through to the money, then you've probably got something in the URL, which then makes it a non-unique, not a, a sort of a unique link, which makes uh, makes um, the, the whole, you know, 
how do you get a 301 message to it or i don't know uh, so there's a whole load of problems if you're going to put voucher codes in links for example exactly uh, and then to miriam's point of like yeah is most of the websites that i also work on are bilingual so targeting per where you're targeting because quebec is its own region in itself um <laughs> so uh a beautiful part of our country um but <laughs> Uh, when you go and you go into Quebec, the signs literally change from English to French. So um, they don't define that English is part of what they're speaking at the moment there. So they think of that on the internet as well. So you need to understand. I, I don't know if you can feel the tension. We're going to leave yeah. that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> every, everywhere else in the country, it has to be bilingual. But in Quebec, it has to be just French. So Just French, because yeah. that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's how they roll. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I'm not going to go into your politics. There's no, enough politics no, in the world, all right. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, going back a little bit to Chris's, Chris's observation, I, for me, I think that, I only I only emotionally counterlink if I see it as um, a value. Um, so I I would tend to, um, uh, you know, if I'm going to use Majestic's tools for example, there's other tools that are available. But I, I would sit there and really probably only count links that have got some kind of citation flow and citation of trust flow in their source as well. Um, otherwise, they're not really you know of value. So that cuts out probably eighty percent of most links that are coming in. Um, I then will then you know pare it down to a few other uh, things that are important to me um uh, and 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 really probably for any business a better way of looking at things might be let's have a look at the top 50 links of your business and everything else after that doesn't matter so whether you're ibm or whether you're a small business it's the top 50 and can you make those better than the, than, than than they were before because it's it, google is saying I have been saying for a long time, um, whether whether everyone believes them or not, that that, that the rubbish links are just just rubbish. They're just just ignored, and I think that that's not just the rubbish links, but it's most links, you know, are, are ignored. So it's just trying to get the ones that have a signal either to Google or to a human. Um, that they're the ones that are important, I think. And so maybe just 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 concentrate on the top. 50 or top 10 or top 20 and see if you can improve them because <laughs> they'll still be there uh, afterwards. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time already. Um, so uh, I'll just quickly ask about things like um, uh, GMB listings and, and, and social media profiles and stuff like that. Is that something that you think SEOs should be checking on and looking up? I mean, Google My Business, I assume. Yeah, oh, they're, they're getting rid of that, aren't they? Well, but those kind of things. Uh, Google My Business is just a big directory listing, isn't it? But uh, should we should we just should we, should we checking on those kind of things as well, uh, or is that kind of so so SEO one hundred and one that you're just hoping that it, that it's been done? I got frustrated because Google took forever during the pandemic to actually release some reviews that were made. So if you're just checking in on these, you will get very frustrated. That's all I wanted to say on that. Mm, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of this stuff is foundational. Um, I think if you are a business that relies on people coming to you or you have bricks and more supremacists and you need to rank in map packs and bits, I think that has to be part of the checks. I mean, the QA one is just, you know, uh, nap you know simple like name address phone number just do we have consistency does it relate to the website i i i have stopped going into like the networks of citation listings to try and clear it up any i mean i've spent far too long doing it at a real sort of low level i think now you just 
I can't remember the top six or the top 10 or whatever it is, aggregators that seed a lot of that data. If they're accurate in there, you've verified your listings and you're getting notifications when stuff changes. For me, that's that's what I do. Um, but, you know, I think if the, the more, the more um, uh, kind of businesses you have within that network, the more it pays back to keep a really super close eye on that. You know, you, you, the last thing you want to do is effectively lose control of a premises for six months don't notice it then you come in to find a slew of bad reviews someone's changed your opening hours hijacked the url which i've seen all of that that can't happen for on your folks watch. who don't see us we're all shaking our heads in agreement yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> true yeah you don't don't lose don't don't lose control of your property yeah absolutely uh okay guys we're already up time so i'm gonna bring uh david in uh and uh ask david you know what what do we what do we got next week and uh, uh next month rather on the next show sure next, whenever the next show is. <laughs> next <laughs> month indeed yeah next month it's going to be on the 3rd of august and that's going to be episode 30 up to episode 30 already and um, we're going to be talking about how can seo and ux work together we've already got eureka viberg from unicorn.se booked for that one we'll have another couple of seos probably for that one as well but um august the third is um the date of the next show and if you want to watch that one live just go to majestic.com slash webinars and sign up there fantastic guys uh so just before we all go um why don't you guys let us know how people can get hold of you if they want to uh do a you know do 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 a you know get an audit of an audit miriam where do they go and find you so i'm uh, if you are french or french canadian i'm on linkedin at miriam Gessier. if you want to just chat and have fun or complain about something on Twitter at my name, Miriam Gessier, once again. And um, I just wanted to say one last thing. I'm old enough to remember when Majestic was Majestic SEO. I just want to know there if I'm go. alone in this. There leave a comment. Go. Go. So, you know, you know, it used to be called Majestic 12 before that. But anyway, I'll leave that to... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so Miriam Gessier is spelled M-Y-R-I-A-M. J-E-S-S-I-E-R for everybody that hasn't got a screen, which is most of us. Jess, where do people get hold of you and why won't they get hold of you? Sure, you can contact me at Miriam Jessier. Um, or uh, I hang out on Twitter a lot. It's my it's my friend uh, at Jess Joyce, J-E-S-S-J-O-Y-C-E um, or JessJoyce.com. Uh, I keep a track of hurdles currently. Hurdle is like the wordle for music. So uh, check it out. I'm keeping a historical version of it on my website. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. We're getting some nice thank yous from, from Monty and uh, and people um, out there. So thank you very much, guys. Chris, what about you? Why why do they want to get hold of you and where do they go? Why would they want to get hold of me? I don't know. Good question. Um, I No, so I, I kind of helping people solve more technical kind of search things using kind of newer technologies, testing, edge, bits and pieces like that. But you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Chris Green SEO. Um, DMs are open or find me on my website, drop me a message. We'll chat about SEO. And if you can't spell Chris Green, you're in the wrong business, guys. So thanks very much for coming along. Uh, I uh, I appreciate it to everybody uh, in, in cyber, cyber interweb land. Thanks very much for, for coming along, and we'll see you next time. And do check out uh, newmenu.majestic.com if you're a Majestic user, or even if you're a different link building, link technology user, and you want to see the new, uh, the new layout, then uh, go to newmenu.majestic.com. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having us.